Shark Tank star Kevin Leary says you should be debt-free by age 45. Is that true? What should you think about before you decide it's time to become debt-free? Well, that's the creator of Clever Girl Finance and the host of Clever Girl Knows podcast, Polissa Gumby, on today's Money with Friends. Welcome back to the Money with Friends podcast, coming to you live from my mom's half-finished basement in Texarkana, Texas, where we make the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salcihai. And I'm Bola Shukumbi. I am pretending to be snowed into my office so my kids don't bother me. <laughs> they, they think there's a huge mound that they can't get through. Very smart. <laughs> this is the podcast where Bola and I are going to cover a recent story ripped from the financial press. This one is from, I believe, from CNBC. It is. Not only do we read them like some podcasts, but we dive into how they affect your wallet and what you can do to invest, save. And today we're going to talk about paying down debt more effectively. And if that's not enough, we'll give you a takeaway at the end of today's show that you can take with you to be better with money from now on. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Tiller Money. Win with your 2021 financial goals with Tiller Money. Keep a clear view of your finances in one place. See how you can make the most of your money. Track your net worth with flexible spreadsheets automated by Tiller Money. It's tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. Lost Joe, he should be right back. The, 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 there you are, Tiller Money, TillerHQ.com forward slash MWF. All of a sudden I heard, boop, and, and you were bye-bye. Uh, but but we're going to keep it going. So <laughs> Bull is back with us. I am sad that this is the last time that we're back together. Not the last time. <laughs> well, I mean, not the last well, time. Not the last time here, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the last time forever, forever, but the last time on this season with Money with Friends. Um uh, tell me, do you guys, do you guys it, 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 at your house, are you Christmas people? It's Christmas Eve. I'm trying to be a Christmas person. Um, so I have overbought presents and I realized that now I have to wrap them because I bought them, but I've decorated, I'm trying to make it exciting and, you know, I'm trying. We're having the it's weirdest, weird year. we're having the weirdest year ever here. It's going to be, it's going to be the first year that we have, uh, we, we have, um, this, this house in Texarkana, just Cheryl and I, uh, going to be super, super strange not having our kids with us for the first time. So very, very strange. And Bola's is looking at me like, you can have mine. Yes. Another <laughs> set of twins to make your life merry and cheerful. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about getting out of debt. One shark says you got to get out of debt at age 45. Let's see which one of our friends can help us kick off today's show. This is Julian from Rich and Regular. Friends, check. Money, check. Friends with money? Let's do this. All right, this piece comes to us from CNBC. It's written by Megan DiMatteo. Kevin O'Leary, the headline reads, says you should be debt-free by 45. This financial planner disagrees. Elvest, Rachel Sanborn Lawrence weighs in on why you should necessarily try to be debt-free by age uh, 45. Uh, O'Leary says, by the way, that most careers start in early 20s and end in the mid-60s, O'Leary said in the in an interview with CNBC's Make It. So when you're 45 years old, the game's more than half over, and you better be out of debt because you're going to use the rest of the innings in that game to accrue capital. Uh, while O'Leary's advice might resonate with some, Rachel Sanborn Lawrence at Elvis says that aiming to be debt-free by 45 might be ill-advised. Not only is it unrealistic for many, it might also mean you leave money on the table. Where do you stand on this one? 
You know, I, I have disagreements with both of them, to be honest. Um, I don't like Kevin's tone, like you're halfway through when you're 45. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think that, I think everyone should strive to be debt-free, right? Anyone who's part of the personal finance community, that's why you're here. You want to improve your finances. But I don't think anyone should be designated where you have to be debt-free by age 45, especially given the... Um, what we're going through, right? There's somebody who might be debt-free at 45, but it's having to take on a ton of debt because of a life circumstance, like health or a death or something major. So the tone is a little bit, it doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> Peter said Kevin's tone is never preferable. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> felt like he was yelling at a Shark Tank. And so I'm, I'm not a huge fan. You know, nobody wants to be in debt. I don't want to sit here and say, oh my God, I have all this debt. But, you know, there should be some empathy and compassion there <laughs> when he's talking about this. Yeah, I uh, uh, I totally agree. I think that whenever we put these these uh, ages on anything, I also don't like I don't like those uh, charts that say by thirty you should have this much saved, forty you should have this much, fifty you should have this much, because it does one of two things: either it makes you way too smug. Uh, if, if you're ahead of that number, which isn't that many people, but I've seen people with some huge goals think they've saved enough. And then back when I was a financial planner, they come into my office and I'd run the numbers. And even though they save more than these arbitrary numbers, their goal was so aggressive that they, that it didn't really make sense. It was, it, 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 it they need to save even more or it gives people, yeah. Or it gives people heart palpitations when all you can do is do what you can do today and go forward. So knowing that you're behind, but you know, reading the arbitrary this arbitrarily created number doesn't doesn't do anything for anybody. Forty five. Yes, right. <laughs> I will be in debt at forty five. I have a mortgage, and you know, you know, we just purchased a home, right? And our last home, we definitely were not paying off that mortgage because we knew we we're not going to stay there, and we did sell it, right? And we just purchased a new home, and you know, we took advantage of a super super low interest rate. I don't think I'm paying off this mortgage anytime soon because I'm going to repurpose that money to other opportunities. So Kevin O'Leary might not like me and that's okay. <laughs> You're going to be all right if you and Kevin O'Leary aren't buddies. <laughs> I'm perfectly fine. I'm in debt. I have a mortgage. Well, 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 let's talk <laughs> about <me>. this, <laughs> but, but, but let's talk about the woman from Elvis for a second. What does she mean when she says you might be leaving money on the table by paying your debt off early? Yeah. So basically she's saying that depending on the interest rate of the debt that you have, she's twofold, depending on the interest rate of the debt that you have, it might make more sense to invest that money to get a bigger return. So let's say, you know, everybody says the return on the stock market on average is about 8%. If your debt is like 2%, it makes sense to, to invest that money and then just pay your debt as you can, but take advantage of that opportunity to invest. And then you also have to think about the fact that, you know, most people come out of college with debt, right? And you still want to be able to take advantage of free matches from your employer if you are employed by an employer that offers a free match, right? Um, and so it, you may focus on, you know, getting that free match, contributing enough and not necessarily putting that money towards debt. And so she's saying basically leaving money on the table is the potential earnings that you can make if you pursued a higher interest rate from investing versus paying down low interest debt. So there are times where it makes sense to aggressively pursue debt, high interest debt, credit card debt, debt that's not associated to any assets, right? Um, but sometimes um, it makes sense to invest and sometimes life happens, yeah. right? 
people's financial statuses change. And I feel like rich people like Kevin, unfortunately, some in the personal finance space just have this like, um, I'm better than you because my finances are together. Kevin's a millionaire, billionaire, whatever he is. He can tell people to be debt-free by 45. It's not his problem, right? And again, empathy, Kevin, please. <laughs> yeah, I, well, and, and I learned from a from a uh, mentor early on that every discussion is a cube. And the quicker you can see the other side of the cube, which is somebody else's point of view, the better off you're going to be. And definitely Kevin doesn't seem to be looking at, but, but, but it seems to shock nobody who's sitting here with us as, as <laughs> we make the, too much shark tag. <laughs> yes, everybody <laughs> seems, everybody, everybody seems to think that uh, you're not getting any empathy. Our friend Jason from Frugal says empathy is not going to come from Kevin O'Leary. That's, that's not going to happen. You, you, you know what I found Bola when I was a financial planner is that when we would actually do a financial plan and we would, strategize. If you were ahead of the game, it was all even, even without doing the math, uh, of, of the interest rate math that you're talking about. Most people like to pay off their debt early. Like even if the debt's at 2% and they could take it, make eight, if they're ahead of the game and that interest rate doesn't matter, they would rather pay off the debt, even though the math worked the other way. But for a lot of people, they were behind. And for those people that were behind putting money toward their, toward their, uh, um, uh, debt when it could be compounding much faster was a, was a way better way to go. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on everybody's financial circumstance, right? Yeah. If you have high interest debt and you, the debt is bothering you mentally, emotionally, it's affecting relationships and you want to focus on paying it off, then that's the plan that makes sense for you. If you feel like I want to pursue the opportunity of, um, you know, investing to take advantage of higher earnings versus my debt percentage. And that's a plan that works for you. I think ultimately, as long as you have a strategy in place for your debt and your debt is not overwhelming you and not controlling the decisions that you're able to make, and you know that your game plan is going to get you to your goal, then I think, you know, that works for certain people. Like, is Kevin going to judge me because I say I'm not going to pay off my mortgage? I know some other financial experts who will <laughs> because I have a mortgage, mortgage, mortgage and proud. Um, <laughs> but everybody has to step back and look at their own circumstances, you know, and I just I really dislike the statement that he said, um, you know, you better be out of debt because the game is more than half better over. Be. You better be. You better be, Joe. Yes. You know, no. but but I like, there's a word that you said that I want to really focus on with everybody today because I think it's so important. It's the word strategy. Often I would see people, Bola, that had, and, and, and you and I still do, right, in our communities. We see people that, that have debt, but there's no real strategy. As an example, if you're paying the same amount of money extra to every single debt, you're, th that's not a strategy. So every family, when they used to walk into my office, when I was a financial planner, I would explain to them that I look at them like they're a company and they should really look at themselves like they're a company. And with the CFO of the company, what would they do with, with their debt? They would have this, this, this debt pay down strategy. And I'll give you an example too, about debt with a strategy. Often you can pay off your debt in 15 years or 
or 30 or 20 or 18, but people forget that whatever the bank's terms are, are not, the, the, you don't have to pay it based on the bank's terms. I would ask people why they took out a 15 year loan. They'd say, well, because the bank's at 15 or 30 and I don't want to have a mortgage for 30. Well, you can take out a 30 year loan and pay off your mortgage in 10, right? So just because the bank gives you these two choices of terms has nothing to do with how you personally pay off, pay off your debt. So having that strategy versus just having debt, I think is, is easily, easily the key to winning with debt. Yeah, I definitely agree. And you know, somebody reading that statement who is maybe 45 or 41, whatever might say, Oh my God, I've missed the boat. I am in so much debt. There's no way I can be debt free by 45. Like Kevin said, so to heck with this, I'm not even going to bother. Whereas if you can just look at your finances, create. And I just lost her. How about that? I, I, I just lost Bola halfway through that sentence and here she comes back. Now we have you back. I'm back. <laughs> yes. And you were on a roll too. I was loving that. Yeah. I was saying that, you know, just assigning a number to this debt freedom, you know, can discourage someone who could potentially have been debt free just a few years later than age 45. Right. Everybody's going through different circumstances. And I again, I feel the timing of that statement is just so off. Right. There are people who are doing great with their finances on path and completely got derailed because of circumstances beyond their control. And we can plan as much as we want to plan. Right. Uh, Sometimes it's it's circumstances like divorce, a sick child, a death, things that can really throw you off. Um. And just make you not be a part of that plan. And so what should those people do, Kevin? (laughs) Hey, Kevin, we're talking to you, Kevin. (laughs) Kevin, if Kevin, if you want to write about money with friends and how horrible, how much you hate the show, you know how good that would be for our ratings. That would be fantastic. If we just peeved off Kevin O'Leary enough that he wrote about us, that would be, that'd be great. He'll give you $10,000 for 90% of your business. <laughs> Sign me up, Bola. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's a podcast. The joke's on him. Kevin Bailey said, don't look at me. <laughs> uh, 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 one more thing that I wanted to ask you about, which is another piece that as I was uh, doing some research after you sent me this piece yesterday, um, there, there was this person asking a question in a community that I wanted to get your take on. She is in her seventies, has a 30 year mortgage on her house and has realized that she doesn't have enough money to live her lifestyle and pay it off. Or at least she doesn't think that she does. So she was asking this community, should I just make minimum payments for me? Should I just make minimum payments then on my mortgage and accept the fact that I'm going to have this mortgage forever? Or should I try to get it paid off before I die? Um, I would sell the house. You'd sell, and live a good life. You'd sell the house. Retirement. Yeah. I mean, I think there's this whole American dream of you have to own a home to as part of your financial success, as part of your retirement plan. But there is no rule about home ownership, right? Home ownership is not the American dream that it once was. Um, there is high costs. 
There is right now volatile economies. You buy this home, there is you don't know how long it'll take you to sell it if you can sell it for what you want. Um, and a home really, you know, when you think about investments and you think about if I buy a home and I paid off over the 30-year mortgage that the bank tells me I need to pay this off, right? Um, even if the home appreciates, depending on where you live, it's very likely that you've paid more in repairs, maintenance, mortgage, interest, PMI, than the actual appreciation of the property at the end of the life of that loan, right? If you look at those amortization schedules, um, many times you're paying three, four, five, six times more than yeah. the mortgage with compounding on that interest rate. So at 70, you said she's saying she cannot live the life she chooses. Sell the home and live the life you choose at 70. Live a good life. Um, you don't have to be tied to a home, right? Or make the minimum payments. Do you, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just feel like it's. it sounds like a burden. It, it, I would does, sell it. it did sound like a burden. And it sounds like a place that I, that I definitely wouldn't want to be in. I never even thought about sell the home as an option. Tell, yeah. That's yeah. my two cents. It's just, you know, you're not bound to a home, right? You can sell it from the, the problem is what can you sell it for? That's yeah. the problem with home ownership, right? When anybody will buy it, just how much are you willing to sell it for? What are you willing to take for it? It's interesting. I was talking to a, uh, a real estate expert yesterday. She runs, um, she has uh, real estate companies in three different cities. And she was telling me that if you are going to sell a home, uh, in her opinion, you should do it fairly quickly because she said that, you know, the eviction moratoriums are, are going to end here uh, in the next few months. They will probably be extended. You and I talked about some of the COVID related relief last time you were here. When those end, she's been looking at the numbers, the, 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 uh, uh, the number of people that owe a ton of money on their mortgage and haven't been making the mortgage payment and will end up losing their house in the next few months. And she predicts that a year from now, we're going to be back in that situation. We were back in 2007, 2008, where you have maybe, maybe not the same, but you're going to have a lot of houses on the market versus now where it's really tight. I, when we sold our house in Michigan, we, we showed nine people and had uh, three offers immediately, had six offers overall out of nine people that looked at it. It's crazy. Yeah, I had a friend who came from Canada to sell her mother's house and she thought she was going to be here for a few months. But with the first week, she cleaned up the house. The day she listed it, they had 80 people walk through it. And the next people. year they had 11 offers. Yeah, you know, I think it's the attraction of the super low interest rates right now. Even people that really may not have any business purchasing a home or getting money from mom, dad, aunt, uncle, et cetera, to make the down payment requirements to purchase the home. And a lot of people are buying homes that they truly cannot afford by virtue of the attractive interest rate. I mean, when we were selling our house, um, one of the realtors who was walking through was like, this is like a great time because now you can buy a bigger house because you can qualify for more. I'm like, oh, what about your budget? What, I know. You're telling your clients, excuse me. So I definitely agree with that real estate agent. I think just given the economy, we're going to see some struggles next year. And, you know, people may have to sit on homes that they're trying to sell for a long period of time if they want to even break even. Yeah. Right. When yeah. it's competitive, prices go up. People are like, you know, bidding wars and people are buying houses also that are just maybe overvalued depending on the city. So home ownership is something that if you're getting into, you're thinking super long term, you're pursuing that original American dream where you buy the home, you live in it, you pay off the mortgage and you hand it down to your child, your son, 
whoever, your daughter, you know, not, oh, I'm going to live here for five years. Oh, I'm moving to New York City. I just need to buy an apartment because it's so cheap. Wrong way to think about it. In just a moment, Bola and I will have our takeaways from today's discussion about debt and about Kevin O'Leary's kind of judgy take take on debt. We'll do that in just a moment. But first, want to say thanks to everybody who's used our link when they've gone to Tiller Money. Tiller is what I use to manage my money. It's what I use for my budget. And uh, I'm not a spreadsheet guy, Bola. I'm not, I'm a money nerd. I'm a card carrying money nerd, (laughs) but I am not the spreadsheet money nerd. Are you? Oh, I love a spreadsheet. I love spreadsheets. The, uh, yeah, most of us, as you know, money nerds, we never seen a spreadsheet. We don't like I, (laughs) my, my spreadsheet is so simple. And this is what I like about Tiller. Most people love Tiller because of the fact that because it's a spreadsheet and you press one button and everything, all your transactions download automatically and securely to it. And then you can make countless charts and graphs and every money nerd out there. But me, I feel like is, is saying, wow, I can make 87 graphs. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to sit just with your, your one uh, app and deal with the bad things that that app has. Instead, you can make it however you want it. So head to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for money with friends, tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. You'll get a free trial. You can see how it works. If you like it as much as I do, I like it because I can simplify it. But if you're on the other side of that equation and want more, more, more charts and graphs, you can do that too with Tiller. Bola, what's our takeaway from today's debt discussion? I think that everyone should strive to be debt free, um, but don't be burdened by an age assigned to you by Kevin O'Leary. Um, look at your overall finances, create a strategy. Um, if you are trying to recover from a difficult year or life situation, create a plan about around it and strive to achieve that debt freedom and build wealth, build capital. But don't feel like you're half over in the game or that, you know, you've missed out some massive opportunity because life happened to you. Just continue along the right path and set the right goals for yourself and work towards it. I love that, which, which uh, that overlaps a lot with what my takeaway is for people that often do, like I feel Kevin is doing here, judging other people's financial picture. You you don't know what their financial picture is really like. I feel very lucky that I got to, uh, for 16 years, I got to sit across from lots of different families. And I will tell you that you have no idea. And Dr. Tom Stanley in his book, you know, The Millionaire Next Door was absolutely right. There are people that walked into my office that I was sure, absolutely certain Bola had no money and were bajillionaires. And there were people that looked like the wealthiest people on earth and they were struggling to get by. I met people that couldn't make ends meet on $450,000 a year. And I made I knew families that had eight children, made $65,000 and were saving tons of money. So you have no idea. So these artificial phrases, which by the way, is the second piece of that is that building your financial plan, not just on opinions, but also on these arbitrary numbers is not the way to build your strategy. Build it around what you want, begin with your goal and work backwards to today to see what you have to do to reach that. And you're much more likely to reach it than saying, well, if I'm not out of debt by 45, I'm screwed. I'm 52 and I have debt, Bola. I have a mortgage on this house that I just bought. So apparently, Kevin, I'm screwed. (laughs) We should go throw our mortgages away so we can be debt free by 45. That's, that's right. Don't live on the streets, Joe. <laughs> 
Well, you have this fantastic podcast, uh, uh, Clever Girls Know. Tell everybody a little bit about it. Yes. Yeah, so Clever Girls Know is a personal finance podcast for women and men, you know, friends of women. <laughs> friends of women. <laughs> women and friends of women. Yes. Where we talk about personal finance, it's, you know, life, business, career, it's girlfriends talking. It's a no shame, no judgment um, space for us to just have conversation about money. And the podcast is called Clever Girls Know. It's a fantastic show. And as Bola said, I'm not really the target audience, but I'm laughing right along with you during, <laughs> during the episodes. And you cover everything, by the way. I mean, you, you are all over the map. It's incredibly diverse, the things that you, that you discuss. Yeah. I mean, you know, as I'm living my life, there are topics that interest me. I think talking solely about how to budget personal finance can get a little boring sometimes, even to me, finance expert. And I like to talk about other things, you know, as life happens. So we try to make it spicy, I guess. <laughs> Click up feisty is a good word and goes very much along with you. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, and by the way, also check out Clever Girl Finance Pola's awesome community as well. And, uh, and her new book, which will have links to all of those at moneywithfriendspodcast.com. Bola, thanks for hanging out with us again and good luck uh, wrapping those presents. I've got some here. If you want, if you get bored, you can wrap mine too. I know. Joe, I have to say thank you so much for this opportunity to host the episodes with you. This was such a great experience. You made me laugh every single time. You're so much fun. Mission accomplished. Um, thank you. <laughs> Thanks to everyone who joined us, all of those recordings. I'm so glad you could do it with us. I've had a great time getting to know you. It's, it has been fantastic. And just the, um, uh, not just the huge amount of wisdom that you're able to share with us, but the way that you share it, I absolutely love. It's It's been great. So thanks back to you. Thank you. <laughs> this show's created and hosted by us, Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and it's edited and produced by Ashley Wall. Money with Friends is a product of Money with Friends, LLC, copyright 2020. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast and links to the stories discussed, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at moneyfriendspod on both Instagram and Twitter. Look out for our polls and quizzes. You could get a shout out on the show. We're well worth following. We promise. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other videos or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor. These people on this episode, they're here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Bobby. I'm Joe. We'll see you here back next time with another episode of Money with Friends.